This morning, it is a privilege, not just for me to be here, but really to be a part of this people. Uh, when God puts you in a family, which is what he does, there is nothing else on the planet like it. And I'm grateful to God for making me a part of this family, which I've been now for more than a few years. Um, this morning, I want to speak about uh, closing the door and preparing to soar. Closing the door and preparing the sore. I want to read from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Reading from the New International Version. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Father, thank you for this moment. Let our hearts understand um, so that this moment becomes movement in our lives. Amen. Here's a moment where um, it's a violation of a family's expectation. Uh, no one expects to be a widow. No one expects to be fatherless. And this is a family that's part of the community of God. And we don't know the circumstances of the man's death. We just know that he was part of the company of the prophets. He was a man who, who feared God. And in this moment... Uh, this woman is crying out in distress for help. And if she has suffered the loss of her husband, is still grieving. Her sons have lost their father. Their family has been impacted in such a significant way such as to alter where they are within themselves. And... To add to that distress, there's now someone who's coming to take her sons because there was no system of life insurance. When God's people came out of Egypt, he said, if any of you become poor, you have an opportunity to basically put your own life up for collateral, that you and your children could be 
uh, for failure of payment have the responsibility and the obligation to pay that debt through your own labor, like hired servants. And so, uh, and, and potentially lose her sons for as much as seven years. So it's not enough that she's just lost her husband. It's not enough that uh, these boys have just lost uh, their father. But now, potentially, they might be separated as a family. This is tough being a single mom right now. We're still grieving, and now I might lose my boys on top of that. So her pain is overwhelming. Her sons are distraught. And so it's in that distress that she goes to Elisha, and she cries out of her distress and said, Listen, I need your help, man. You know my husband, your servant, he was a man who feared God. It's a great thing when your spouse can speak about your relationship with God. That it's not just something that's public, but there's something privately that in your own home, your spouse, your children, they say the same thing about you at home that people say about you outside your home. And here's what's great about this man. It's not just that he was a servant of the Lord who feared the Lord, but he walked in the company of these prophets, meaning he wasn't out there trying to live his life alone. He walked in relationship with other people. He was accountable to God and to men for his words. He was held accountable. I love the fact that in this family, I'm held accountable for what I say and do. It's safety for me. It protects my wife and my kids because she knows as I act up, he's got something to say about it. There can't be any monsters living in my house because there's too many men who walk close with me. This was a man whose life was open to correction. He didn't just go prophesy kind of like, I've got my own prophet card and I just do what I want. He was tied to the community of prophets. He said, judge this word. They walked together. And I love it that Pastor Brett Fuller can tell me what to do. And when I'm listening well, I do it. When I'm not listening well, there's some experience that God did not intend me to walk through. There have been times I sat with Pastor Brett, and it was such a great moment one-on-one, and he's pouring into my life. And, and I, you know, I'm driving 35 miles to get home, and at about mile 25, I realize, oh, that was correction. It took me 25 miles to figure it out. Am I the only one? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The skill of communicating. This is surgery that's not invasive. Can get it out. You go, what? what? It's, whoa. I love the prophets in our movement. I love Pastor Jim LaFoon. I love Pastor Jim Critcher and their spouses. They can tell me what to do. I want to walk in a company of people. I don't ever want to live alone. God commands the blessing when you dwell in unity with others. I don't ever want to live alone. But being close means you got to be open to some stuff. She's expressing, hey, I need some help, man. And because she's part of a community, she doesn't have to figure out where to run to. 
it's obvious where to go. They knew her husband. They were all fellowshipping together. It's a great thing. So you have this moment where he's talking to her, and then he asks, what do you have? Now, that is not the question I'm expecting. (laughs) I'm coming to you for help. And your question is, but what do you have? What do you have in your house? And she goes, I got nothing. You ever find yourself in those moments of life where you realize, I got nothing? Anybody been there? You, you are facing some challenging moment and you're checking all your resources and you're thinking about it. You go, God, I got nothing. She's in, I got nothing except there's always something. I got nothing but this little jar of oil. That's all I got, a little jar of oil. Earlier this week, we were praying for some people and one of the young ladies on our team walked up with a little jar of oil, just a little bit of oil for anointing. And some commentaries believe that that jar of oil in her home was not the cooking oil, but it was the oil of, of, that was left behind that her husband would have used or they would have used in praying for people and anointing them. It was still there in the house. His shoes were there. His clothes were there. His presence was, was no longer with him, but some of his clothes and things were still there. And she just remembered, that's my husband. She probably sat across the room and thought about him. Looking at that jar of oil, I don't know. But so that's all I got. And then the word of the Lord is spoken by Elisha. Go and get some empty jars. Go to all your neighbors and not just a few. Now, what kind of remedy does this sound like if you're listening to it? Get all the jars you can. Go inside your house. Shut the door. Pour the oil. And there is something in this woman that responds to the word of the Lord. We've been talking about how the word of God empowers you. She was empowered to receive the word from the prophet. She grabbed the boys and said, let's go. I could imagine them knocking on the door. Josephine, Josephine, yeah. You got any empty jars, girl? I need some jars. Sure, yeah, how many got? Okay. I heard son running down. Hey, Theodore, man, the, the jars have your marbles. Can I, can I, how many you got? Give me all those jars. They're collecting all the jars they can. And they go inside to their house and they close the door behind them. The Bible doesn't say how many jars they had, but I tell you what, the first jar that God began to spill, fill up, wasn't the one she poured. It was her. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen jars. The first three jars that got filled with this woman. I believe the Spirit of God, when she walked inside that room, God himself was already there, beginning to fill her up, beginning to fill her sons up. So by the time she started pouring the oil, she was already full herself. Can you imagine what it was like? Because when you have a small jar of oil and all these jars are out there, and when she started pouring, she never lifted it up. It was continuous flow. They had to move one jar and put the next one. So the boys are probably looking. You know, there's enough to fill one jar. So you just watch that. It's just a transfer. But once that was filled, you got to the second jar. Oh, shucks. Because you know, it's only supposed to hold so much oil. But she's on her third jar right now. So it's not like they got to the last jar. While, when they got to the second jar, they're going, whoo! Mama, keep bringing them jars, baby. Keep bringing them jars. Oh, my God. Keep her. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about to flow over. Come on, bring another jar. Bring another jar. Bring, but see, the, the key wasn't just that she was pouring. She was postured for pouring. She was postured for pouring because she followed the direction of the word that says shut the door. 
I got to be honest with you. There are times in my life where I believe the Holy Spirit says you need to shut the door. And if you're like me, sometimes you're just like, well, let me just look. What's out there? <laughs> shut it, baby. Let me tell you, there's a, there's a moment. This is not the first moment that we have about shutting doors. I, uh, Elisha speaks about this in a number of occasions. And then you also have Jesus speaking about it. I want, you to read, want to read to you what Jesus said. This is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Here's what Jesus says on teaching about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door. And pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is teaching us something here. That prayer, when you pray, there's, there's, he, he is addressing how to pray and how not to pray. And when he says there are those who go into the synagogues and the streets, he's not addressing location. He's addressing motivation. It's fine to pray in the street. It's fine to pray in the church. It's, 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 that's, that's all good. But if the motivation is to be seen by others, you've already got your reward. You've missed the whole point. The motivation is to pray to be seen by God. And he says, when you go inside, when you go in, go into your father who is unseen, and your father who is there who sees you will reward you. Another example. Genesis. We have another picture. And this is the first time that door is actually mentioned in the Bible. And this is pretty important for us to see. So turn to Genesis. Chapter 4. I think it's going to appear up on the screen. And this is the moment where God comes to Cain. Cain is... Brother to Abel, they're the first two sons in all creation. And in that moment, when they come together, uh, they're both offering to the Lord. Both are. I think it's important to notice. It wasn't that Cain wasn't offering. They both were offering. But in this particular moment, it says that God looked on Abel and his offering with favor. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So he didn't look favorably upon Cain, and he didn't look favorably upon Cain's offering. Cain became angry as a result. When he became angry, here's what I love. God as a father is caring for Cain. He comes to him and says, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, it's going to go well for you. But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at the door at your door and its desires for you, but you must master it. This is significant. In this moment, God is caring for Cain and trying to give him an opportunity to come close to God and to address the anger. In other words, be angry, but don't sin. But the challenge is sin is crouching at the door and his door has a crack in it. And God wants to take Cain somewhere, but he can't do it while the door's still open. I had to move my daughter on Thursday, and I had to rent a U-Haul truck. And, you know, these are big 14-footers, and the doors you close a little different than the car. And I started it. I closed the door, and when it closed, uh, you know, I, I moved it from park to drive, and the chime goes, bing, 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 door ajar, driver, door ajar. 
So I can't take off like that because that's not safe. I got to actually open it and shut it with a little bit of force. I had to do that two or three times because I'm used to closing my door. My door doesn't close like a U-Haul door. Boom, shut it. He's trying to get Cain to realize your door got a crack in it, brother. I need to help you in your heart. You're not doing well in your soul. You're not doing well in your soul. It's not going to be good for you. Sin is crouching, meaning it is ready to pounce on you. And when our door is left open, there is something outside that wants to get inside. And God says, shut the door. Don't let what's outside come inside so I can help you. But he doesn't know how to shut his door. This woman, she shuts her door. She goes home. And she shuts the door. What? Here's what I think happens when the door shut. The moment we come into, the door is not just a physical thing. The door is our heart. The moment we go inside, we go inside to receive, not achieve. When you go inside to receive, you're receiving what God has for you in that moment. What outside you could not achieve on your own. Outside, this woman could not achieve what she needed. She couldn't achieve her son's not being taken away from her. She was stuck. She needed to receive something with God from God that would allow her to continue life as God wanted her to. So when she goes inside, I just picture this woman coming inside with all these jars, closing the door behind her. It's shut tight. And when she steps inside, the father is already in the room. He's not seen, but he's visibly there. And in that moment, she begins to take the jars. And because she's in humility, see, the Bible says this, submit to God. Humility is the posture of receptivity. Humility is the posture of receptivity. Submission, not resistance, is where we start. The moment we begin to submit to God, that's the moment that pouring starts to happen. All of a sudden, you're resisting the enemy, and he's got to flee. He's not outside the door. And so here's this woman who's watching as the jars begin to fill with oil, and as they fill one jar after another, one jar after another, one jar after another, as I said before, she's being filled up. Her sons are being filled up, and as they're being filled, they're beginning to soar because everything on the inside is, is changing. I don't know if you're tracking with me. Let, me. let me make it plain. Let me make it plain. The Bible says this in Hebrews 3, 11, 3. We understand, by faith we understand, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that which is seen, that which is visible, was not made by that which is seen. So, the reality of this stage, you can see it. But the substance of what it was made from came from that which is invisible. So the greater reality is not the stage, it's the invisible world that produced the stage, that produced me, that produced all of us in this space. And sometimes we get our eyes looking at what we can see and let that dictate our faith rather than realize we've got to go inside because when the door closes, that's where the seen meets the unseen. That's where the temporal meets the eternal. That's where the natural meets the supernatural. That's where everything changes because Jesus comes inside and changes us. And it begins to pour. Power begins to flow. Healing begins to flow. Wisdom begins to flow. Everything that's in him at his disposal and his pleasure begins to flow into your life. All behind a closed door. I bet somebody might have been knocking on that door where they were pouring. Mama said, don't open that door. Don't open that door. We're going to keep pouring and keep pouring. And they got to the last jar. She said, bring me one more. She said, oh, that's it. There's no more. Stop pouring. But when she came out, and went back to the man of God and said, we got all this oil. He said, go sell it, pay off your debts, and y'all can live off the rest. 
She's a single mom, but she's a single mom filled up. Single parent dad, single parent mom, but you can be filled up. Two sons growing up without a father, but you can be filled up. When they came out and went back and sold everything, and she just, you know, when the creditor calls, you got to understand in their day and time, there was no mobile device. There was no um, caller ID. (laughs) Nobody's phone rang and said, hello, may I speak to uh, Janie Dewey? You mean Jane Doe? You know, they don't even get your name right. It just... uh, uh, This is, uh, you know that phone call? This is an attempt to collect a debt. Uh, This is being recorded for quality assurance. (laughs) Anything you can and will say. No, that's Miranda. But it it, it feels like that. It feels like that. It feels like they are coming for you. But there's no phone call. There's no caller ID. There's a knock at the door. You see, after the funeral is over, the memorial services, people are coming by expressing their sympathies and bringing meals and food and praying, saying, we're so sorry, and the door keeps knocking. But one day there's a knock at the door, and it's not someone bringing sympathy. It's someone saying, I'll be back next week to get your boys. And in her distress, she's crying out, God, you know what? She was able to go to that creditor and say, here you go. The supernatural power of God has flowed in my life. They were so filled up. And here's what's amazing. When you start soaring like that, they, because of the community in which they lived, it's not unlikely that neighbors were talking at some point, like, yeah, she came and asked me for some jars too. She got some jars for you? Yeah, she got some jars for me too. Yeah, I wonder what she did with all them jars. <laughs> they probably went back and knocked on other doors. How you doing? Great. Let me tell you what God did. And they were so full that this time other empty jars were getting filled. But it wasn't the jars of clay. This was the jars of clay. They started getting up and going out. And the boys probably ended up going into full-time campus ministry because it was born out of a miracle. Oh, no. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They start saying the, the transformation probably starts happening in the community. Boy, they're probably reading the purple book now, going through the one-to-one, talking about, you ready to go full-time? I'm going to full-time ministry. You see, once you, once you have that miracle of God touch your life, it's not for you. The miraculous always leads in life change. The miraculous always leads in change lives, change community, transformation. It's not just for you. It's the flow out of you. So they've got the overflow coming out of their lives. Oh, my goodness. I was, I was praying with a brother on the phone uh, last week, and we were talking about soaring what happens and whenever you board a plane, everybody takes their seats and as long as the door's still open, you can pull out your, all your gadgets and work and then they say, they make this now, the door is now closed. They shut the door. And the reason why they shut the door is because there's places and elevation that you're going to go to that you'll never reach as long as the door's still open. There's rare air that you can't breathe if the door is still open. But once the door is closed, they start to say, let me tell you about our destination, kingdom of God. We're about to soar with God. We're about to 
saw. Some of you are being filled up this weekend. And it's not just for you. It's so that you can begin soaring. It's so that you can go from this place and the overflow of your life will fill another jar in your neighborhood. That you go knock on a door and say, be filled with what's flowing out of my life. And as long as you keep knocking, it'll keep flowing. Go to your next neighbor. Go to the next campus. Go to the next region. Go on a mission trip. You need to go because if you don't, the oil might stop. You better keep finding you another jar. You don't have enough jars for all the oil that God wants to flow out of your life. Are there any jars in the house? Any jars getting filled up in the house? You need to go find you about five to ten jars this week. Conference is about to be over. Go find, go knock on some doors. Go find you a jar and pour into them what God has poured into you. If it doesn't pour out of you, it'll stop flowing. The day you stop preaching the gospel, the day you stop sharing your testimony, the day you stop is the day it stops. And you'll go, what happened to me? You stopped. Find a jar. And not just a few. You get as many jars as you can. And you pour and you pour and you pour until there's none left. All of the city is one. There are no more jars. Wouldn't that be something? Father, I thank you for this moment. Please help us to to go inside to the private place where you're unseen, where you see us, and to learn that the real reward is not what we get from you, it's that we get you. When it says he will reward you, God told Abraham, I am your very great reward. God gives us himself. That's the greatest reward. Father, I thank you for filling your people up this morning to overflow. And not just for their own jubilation, but so that it run, the runoff begins to pour into everybody that they come into contact with. It might be just a little word here. It might be a Bible study. It might be a moment to pray. It's a word of knowledge. It's whatever. It's praying for the sick to be healed. It just let it flow. May we live in the river of the flow from heaven. But help us when we do that to shut the door so there's no mixture between what's outside and what's inside. May we be quick to repent and say, oh, I got to shut the door on that. I can't play with that. Shut the door on anxiety. Shut the door on worry. Shut the door on fear. All over this place, God's just speaking things to your mind of where he went. Shut the door against that thing. Shut the door against immorality. And Lord, as we shut the door in our lives, daily being with you, we can expect that in the posture of pouring, we don't achieve, we receive. And as you fill us up, wow. Pour us out. Amen. Let's give God a hand.